When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Whoever you like on the board, you could potentially take still at 25, or you could even move down a couple of spots and still get whoever you like with this cornerback group at 25 if Jones eventually gets taken. I thought for sure that Philadelphia was going to go with Jefferson because he just seemed to fit uh, perfectly as being someone who had tremendous production ahead of Jalen Rager did not have great production last year, in part because the quarterback play was bad, but... I mean, you're talking about a guy who had 100 catches versus somebody who had like 40. There's a really big difference in those two with production. Um, So I think the Vikings should be pretty darn thrilled if they can get Jefferson here. Though they might surprise us. Yeah, so, all right, what is, give us, like, if if Justin Jefferson is a bust, why would he be a bust? What's What's the downside here? It's always the same thing. But, you know, they played in an NFL style offense there. I mean, Joe Brady was their offensive play. Was he the play caller, offensive coordinator, whatever he was? Uh, And he is now with Carolina, and he had been with the New Orleans Saints before. So they had about as close to an NFL offense as you could possibly get. So he can do it from that perspective. He's a guy who can make all the catches, get himself. He's got good size. I mean, and right, he's not small. I don't know. It would just be if he couldn't catch on to the NFL game that he's not somebody who you could run jet sweeps with necessarily. He's not going to completely blow you away with his athleticism and speed. He's more of that Adam Thielen type of wide receiver or Devontae Adams type of wide receiver who does it with their technique and their route running. The things that you love to hear that they do. Um Rather than, hey, if he, like when Patterson didn't work out, you could have used him as, you know, a bubble screen guy or at running back sometimes. That is not Justin Jefferson. Still, I, th- I think that the floor on Justin Jefferson is a very decent receiver. And the ceiling is that he becomes something like Adam Thielen is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has the luxury of he's not being drafted to save the position. Like in Philadelphia, you're being drafted to save the position. Yeah. With the Vikings, Adam Thielen is is the guy, and Adam Thielen is going to be the guy for at least two or three more years, and so you can kind of settle in. There's not as much pressure. I don't know how much that matters. Deep, but Deep threat as well? Oh, yeah, he could go deep. Uh, I'll pull this up in, in some of his statistics. He's not a burner, but I also don't think that running a 4-3 versus running a 4-4-5 four, four, is that much different in going deep because going deep is about getting open. It's about getting right. off the line of scrimmage, Correct. running the route correctly, doing the right read, and then making the play. And when it came to going deep, 
to Justin Jefferson, he made the play a lot, and you don't have to look any farther than when it came to Joe Burrow's statistics. I mean, he put up all-time great statistics, and this was his number one wide receiver. So I'll pull up the exact numbers when it came to Justin Jefferson going deep here in a second, but um, I, I have a lot of confidence in him just being one of those receivers that you know right away checks off the boxes you like to hear, mm-hmm. not not excuses for why he didn't do this or why he didn't do that. So this year, he caught 111 passes for over 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. And when it came to the deep balls, he had nine deep catches for 316 yards. So when... Uh, okay, here we go. No. Right? It's, no? it's in, but he hasn't announced oh, it yet. Okay, so, yeah. all right. So, I mean, it's just... Think about this. This is what really blows me away. This statistic here from Pro Football Focus on Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. When Burrow was throwing to him between 10 and 19 yards, which is, you know, like 60% of your throws as as an NFL quarterback um, that gets you big gains and stuff like that, Burrow had 147.9 quarterback rating when throwing between 10 and 19 yards, those intermediate passes to Justin Jefferson. They were just dominant. He led the entire nation in slot receptions, slot yards, I mean, this is this is a guy who knows how to get open. And by the way, when I say not a burner, he ran a four four three. Okay. So I mean, he's he's fast, fast as hell. Yeah. What, what, like what was Laquan Treadwell? Uh, a four it was more five like a four six three. And yeah. I still don't think that's the reason Treadwell failed. But and his vertical jump was thirty eight inches. So I mean, you are talking about not somebody that oh well he's just a route runner or whatever. He is fast. And his comparison from Pro Football Focus is Marvin Jones who's a star for the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that you have to pick here. And if they didn't, I now at this point would be pretty surprised. Indications are that it will be Justin Jefferson, but we're still waiting for Roger Goodell. I'm mostly just waiting to see like how Roger Goodell interacts with the Vikings fans on Zoom at this point. He's been very smooth be with all the very, other fan bases. Incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, like and I want to see night. like are they actual Vikings fans or are they just like people from the Vikings organization that we probably know that they planted in the Zoom with horns on and things. I guess we'll find out here <laughs> I shortly. I think they are real people. But you can't like can you trust no, them? That's you can't, a, you know, they haven't shown any close ups of that. Of the of the sixteen of the, of people, the Zoom. And, yeah. yeah, we've just sort of seen them in the background. There, it was it's like somebody had that idea and they said, "Yeah, let's do it." And then yeah, it didn't really work out, but it's fine. They should like, turn the volume on. Other things, just turn the volume on and see what happens. See if somebody wants to drop a drop an audio. Although ESPN has shown now <laughs> by really airing the idea. uncensored Michael Jordan documentary that they don't really care about. I know cuss words know. anymore after eight o'clock. Roger wouldn't like it though, man. So the pick is in. ESPN's coverage is back here, and we're going to get this Vikings twenty-second overall pick officially in just a second. You are listening to AM fifteen hundred KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. This is Score North and Score North's coverage of the NFL Draft as part of our thirty-six hours of Purple, powered by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group, and uh, we appreciate you hanging with us since yesterday morning. At 11 a.m. as we slice and dice and speculate on what the Vikings might do. Will they trade up? It winds up that they sit and stand pat at 22. Totally the right move. We knew someone would drop. We just didn't know who. And it turns out in this case, it's Justin Jefferson. And the pick is not in an official. But I am certain that they are going to pick Justin Jefferson here and put him in the slot to go along with, I mean, think about how good this could work out for them in terms of Kirk Cousins' weapons if Jefferson is what we think he can be, which is a great 
route runner and all-around type of wide receiver who can line up everywhere. I mean, you'd have Thielen, him as someone who can make an instant impact, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, Delvin Cook. That is a good setup for Kirk Cousins in 2020, even though his chances of being Stephon Diggs are not high. But if you were going to pick a guy who I would say has a really good chance of being an 80-catch type of receiver who averages 14 yards a catch and things like that, I mean, I, I think that it's Justin Jefferson. There's the Zim Ranch. There's the Spielman headquarters. Spielman's in a den of some kind. A couple of dogs. Zimmer literally has a Zimmer Ridge, some sort of like a cover on his yeah, fireplace. Yeah, deal in Kentucky, yeah. Looks very nice there. He yeah. has 18 different animal heads, taxidermy on his wall. There's a real live dog back there, though, so. Are you sure that wasn't taxidermy? At least one lived. All right, the Vikings pick is go. in here. Let's go. Come on, let's go, Viking fans. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> there, there you go, Phil. Are you happy? I love it. Okay. With the 22nd pick Thanks, in the 2020 draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Yep, this is this is an A. This is one of the home run scenarios. Take the wow. wide receiver who drops. If they had stretched here to get Denzel Mims or even Jalen Rager, I would have said, eh, you know, okay, I get it, but there's some worry with this guy. This is the least red flag player there is. I mean, he has done it at the highest level, a national champion who put up monster statistics, 18 touchdowns, 111 catches. At age nine, third in the punt, pass, and kick national championship <laughs> as well. I, I know. That was something I worried about. Uh, but uh, And, you know, somebody who's got good size, 6'1", 200 pounds. He's in that, that hot zone where you're not so tall that people can get their uh, arms on you and, and slow you down. He also has really long arms, and he jumps high, and he runs fast. I mean, if this was any other draft, this might be the number one receiver on the board. Yeah, he just look at his back of the football card statistics from last year alone too, and and they are eye popping. This dude played 15 games, including the college football playoff. 111 catches for LSU last year for 1,540 yards. He averaged uh, 14 yards per catch and 18 touchdowns against big boy competition. So Justin Jefferson becomes just the latest first-round draft pick wide receiver. The Vikings have had very mixed results with first-round draft pick wide receivers. There's the Randy Moss pick. Yeah. There's Percy Harvin, who worked out pretty well. But then there's also a small handful of busts in Troy Williamson, Cordero Patterson, to some extent was a bust, and Laquan Treble was a bust. But um, what makes you think that... What's the number one thing to you that separates Justin Jefferson and his potential to be a good player versus a couple of the busts that they've had in recent years at this position? I think that those other guys, you knew that there was that chance because of blank. Yeah. So with Troy Williamson, you knew there was a chance that he was just a burner who couldn't really do the technical things and didn't have good hands. Like somebody doesn't have good hands as a receiver, that's pretty concerning. Um, and, and the same thing with Laquan Treadwell. He had the injury. He was slowed down significantly by that. And also when you played in that Ole Miss offense, that is not an NFL offense. In fact, it was the farthest thing in the world from an NFL offense, and it didn't ever really require Laquan Treadwell to be a route technician. They kind of just had him run down the field and throw him the ball, and he was stronger than everybody else. But with Justin Jefferson, his offense required him to run pristine routes, go up and make catches in the end zone, uh, got a lot of great accurate passes from Joe Burrow that he's going to get from Kirk Cousins in the NFL too. And 
you know, I don't know Justin Jefferson to say that for sure he's a really smart guy, but in that offense, the way he excelled, I would guess he probably is. And then you say, all right, well, what's the physical traits then? The physical traits are also spectacular with him running a 4-4-3 at just over 200 pounds, and he has the length too. And so this is this is a guy that you can get the ball to run after catch and things like that. He's not LaVisca Chenault in terms of handing the ball to him and he's going to run for a touchdown, but he's also by no means slow. Like, this guy can run. Uh, for the record, Mike Zimmer was shown smiling after mm. the pick was made. Interesting. So, yes, it is an he, offensive player. He was smiling. Yeah, he had no choice. They said you got it's, no it's a hostage situation. Yeah, smile. And so Cordero too was was also, as I recall, when, when he was taken, he was a project and a great athlete, but he didn't have these type of stats too. I don't think that Cordero had the, had this type of background. Um, the Vikings often have gotten in trouble. It feels like Treadwell's a little bit different than this, but certainly in the case of uh, Williamson and Cordero, because they just thought that they were flat out getting great athletes. If yes. this kid can yep. com- if this kid can combine a knowledge of actual football which which I know sounds funny but it's not it's very important if he can combine athletic ability with the fact that he can run routes and is a smart football player that's the difference because you know Cordero athletically is still gifted to this day oh, yeah. yep. but but what he couldn't do was he couldn't figure out how the game actually worked yes and yes, this kid sounds right. like he can I think that there's a very good chance based on the offense that he played in that uh, he will be able to do that. Um, so you know, when you look at um, all the draft reports on him, they talk about he only did only have one season that was great, and it was last year. But when you're playing at LSU, that's kind of how it goes because usually they're so talented that you're sort of next guy up, and then you get your chance. Um, but uh, you know, th- this is somebody who does not necessarily have the he could be the best receiver in the NFL type of thing that someone like Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs, who could be maybe the most dangerous playmaker in the NFL. But it's more like if he clicks, he ends up being Marvin Jones, Devontae Adams, or a little faster version of Devontae Adams, a little faster version of Adam Thielen, somebody who is very, very good. And if he doesn't click, I still think he can be an effective player and you can find certain routes where where he could be good at, and he can use his athleticism to some extent. That's even if he doesn't become very, very good. Like, he doesn't have one of those big red flags, like you're saying with Cordero, where you're like, hey, so what's your best route that you run? Oh, I don't know. I don't run any of those. Like, you know? Yeah, I'm fast. And then Cordero had this thing, too, where (laughs) he, I mean, believed in himself to a fault would be the most polite way I can put it. So I, I remember there was a story about somebody, maybe it was Michael Irvin, offering him some advice on on how to run routes, and he basically told him, "Hey, look, I don't really want that," and, and so, which is just the most cordial thing ever. And uh, I have not yet talked to Justin Jefferson. We will at some point tonight on a Zoom call, I'm sure, um, or you know they'll put that out on Vikings.com and things like that. But I get the sense that he's probably a guy who understands the technical part of the game, and that is a big deal for fitting in with what Gary Kubiak wants to do. And he can be that deep burner. He can he can go down the field. They threw nine deep passes over 20 yards um, to him last year, and six of them were touchdowns. Okay. Yeah. So Kirk's yeah, pleased. I, Kirk's happy. I know that Oklahoma doesn't exactly uh, – Oklahoma doesn't isn't known for their defense, but the game Justin Jefferson had against Oklahoma right before – it was the game before the national championship – 
14 catches for 227 yards and four touchdowns, which I think probably put a stamp on his reputation as a big game player and put a stamp on him as a first round wide receiver. So, I mean, the Vikings, man, when they traded Stefan Diggs and you're looking at their list of weapons and now you look at it, I, I really like what they have brewing. I think there's a couple other moves to be made here. As Collar said, this is step one in a potential home run draft. And this might even still include uh, a trade for a Trent Williams because Justina Anderson tweeted out about 10 minutes ago, right before the Vikings selected at 22, that the Browns are officially out of the running in the Trent Williams trade sweepstakes. I think this could still happen for the Vikings. This is going to backfire badly on Washington. I really think this could still happen. So, by the way, the Vikings have the next pick uh, in 25. So they're uh, just about to come up here again. And I think that Jeff uh, Gladney or Jalen Johnson are going to be the guy that you have to come away from day one with a corner. All you have right now is Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, and Chris Boyd, and you don't know which one of those guys is even going to work out. So you have to come away from day one with a corner or trade down and still take one. When you have three or four different guys who intrigue you or you feel like would fit at the cornerback position, then it makes a lot of sense to move down if there's somebody else that another team is desperately coveting. Uh, But the fact that Josh Jones is still on the board, Mike Zimmer might not have a a huge smile on his face if you passed up on corner, but it still interests me, the idea of taking an offensive tackle here and and sliding Reef inside, and then you feel like your offensive line is as good as it's been in a very long time. If you don't take a cornerback with the 25th pick, do you then try and double back in the second round? Do you yes. try and get up in the second round yes. to take one higher? Yes. You so use that, that later gone? Yes. You use that later okay. draft capital to move up to take Gladney, Fulton, Johnson, one of those guys. And, uh, that, I mean, those are, they're not the only ones. What's the um, furthest back Trayvon Diggs could fall? Yeah, right. Trayvon Diggs is the one that I keep forgetting to mention. Um, I think that all these guys could be early second. Remember a, a couple of years ago where all the offensive linemen went in the early second? And there was like Eight out of nine picks were offensive yeah. linemen, and we all went. Will Hernandez here? Yes, make a trade. Yes. And they ended up with Brian O'Neill, who turned out to be a really great pick, and sort of tells you how random this can all be in the late first and uh, through the second round. That you could still get a lot of great prospects um, in the second round. So we could see the same thing with corner. In this one, you might want to move up because I think there's a drop off from Gladney, Fulton, and Johnson. If that's only if they don't take one of them at 25. And then in the second round, maybe you're looking to try to take someone like Ezra Cleveland, uh, who would be a very good fit with what Gary Kubiak wants to do. Two minutes left for the New Orleans Saints on the clock at 24, and then the Vikings will be back on the clock at 25. And for people wondering here, Gopher fans, right now, according to ESPN.com's best available, Antoine Winfield Jr. is 10th on that list and uh, could still go in the first round at some point. So that's an interesting one to watch. We will hear from our friend Courtney, our draft scout, Courtney Cronin, <laughs> after the Vikings pick at 25. So uh, we're going to get another Vikings pick here within 10 minutes on Score North. Real quick. So the Chargers made a trade, and um, you wonder if the Vikings could have made the same trade. Uh, let me get the exact trade of, of what it was. Uh, hang on just a second. They, like they so just they, made a trade right so now? The, the, well, I mean, a, a second ago. The Patriots traded what out of the pick and the Chargers traded in. So we were talking about Justin Jefferson when this happened. But you do wonder if the Vikings could have traded back and made a similar deal. Now, I would say in this case, 
even though I do think that it's great to stack picks, that Jefferson is unique because I didn't expect him to be there because he is one of the top receivers in the draft, and in other years he might have been the top receiver. So in this case, you could say, yeah, trading back would have been nice to get more picks, but I really like um, I really like what they did with Jefferson. And question from Ryan on Twitter, would I like Jordan Love at 25? It's an absolute 100% no for me. I'm, just, I'm not interested in Jordan Love. Yeah. I, I think that there's a reason he's fallen here, that he was never the prospect people made him out to be, and I think that all these teams were trying to trick each other into taking him high. Um, at least based on the people that have watched the film and broken it down, like our guy Sage Rosenfels, I mean, he watched a lot of Jordan Love and said, I'm sorry, I don't see it as a first-round draft pick. People also get super desperate to try and find the next blank, right? The next Russell Wilson. the ne- Oh, Pat Mahomes. He's mobile and has an arm. Like, he must be the next Pat Yeah, It's possible yeah, yeah, that yeah. there is no next Pat Mahomes What's the downside ever. Of- on love, then what? What's the definite downside? Oh, it's that he has Jameis Winston's bad without Jameis Winston's good. I mean, the upside is yeah, he's got a great arm and he can run around and he can make some really spectacular throws. Mm-hmm. But if he was playing in the NFL this year, he throws forty interceptions or something. I mean, he's he he does the same stuff. Seventeen interceptions in college at Utah State is just terrifying. Sure, there's so many bad decisions, bad throws by Jordan Love that it's really hard to say this is someone you take in the first. Now, that doesn't mean that I would not take him in the third or late in the second, even is kind of a reach for me uh, because he needs so much development to have a chance to be good. I'm I'm just not really interested uh, in anything with Jordan Love. But, um, you know, I, I'm not shocked that he's fallen completely down here after what Peter King reported last week. The Saints pick is in. We've got Sean Payton here in looks like full sweatpants, just well, full. Been, I've won, full, I've won a Super Bowl. He's been I sick. had coronavirus. He had coronavirus. Like, he's he's got the excuse. Yeah, and uh, and he's on the phone, uh, presumably with whoever the Saints just picked, and then the Vikings will be on the clock. Boy, this is I I, I you brought it up earlier, Kyler. I love this draft. Like not, in, yeah. I mean, like the production of it and everything about it. Yeah, I love getting to see all of the different. Instead of just getting like the war room spy cam for a minute, I love the fact that all the coaches and GMs are on. ESPN and NFL Network have knocked this out of the park. It's moving quicker, right? It feels it, like it's snappier. The first pick took too long with the Bengals, but after that, it feels like it's moving absolutely fine. The Saints pick the Saints is pick. in. I don't think we have audio of it. ESPN is. Michigan. Oh, we do. Mel Kybridge. Who'd they take? Uh, they, yeah, you know, we were just a little bit off on the time in there. They took someone who is very happy. Oh, Caesar Ruiz. Okay. Oh, for yeah, the interior offensive lineman that's guy for Michigan. Yeah, that's okay. a quality pick. Yeah, no, Dude, that he's is balling, man. That's you, you I can, love this. You take the guy who is you know, the. I, I threw this out there for the Vikings that you know the number one interior offensive lineman. You take him, you plug him right in. Uh, it could have been a potential idea for the Vikings, but now. Whew, I mean, the options are numerous, friends. I, I, I would have a tough time not trading back from this position if there's somebody that wants to move up because you have so many potential players that could be a win for you. Right, if you have to pick, if you have to pick, you can't. I'll go, you, there's no trading back here. Yeah, I'll go Jeff Gladney if they have to pick. TCU corner, he is a little on the shorter side, but he is very strong jumps really high, very experienced, somebody who's been a starter for three years. His numbers are spectacular. His combine was really good. I would probably go with him. If you trade back, who comes off the board that you're going to miss on? Gladney? 
Probably Jones, I think, the order here. Um, after them, you have Miami, who's not going to take Jones. Mm-hmm. They might take a defensive player at that point. Seattle could take Jones. Looking for another offensive lineman. Maybe he ends up being their right tackle with Dwayne Brown at left tackle. But Seattle also is still rebuilding their defense. And they could take uh, Eder Gross Matos and say, sorry, uh, J- you know, Javon Clowney, you're not going to get Jadavion that hurts Clowney, Griffin too. Money. It does hurt. Yeah, potentially. Because he was talking about going to Seattle. So, And this is a good reason for the Vikings to trade back because Miami and Seattle have different needs than the Vikings do. Uh, you know, they signed Byron Jones and now they could still draft a corner because there's some very good ones there. But you, know, you could still, if you trade back to say 28, 29, you could still get Jeff Gladney or still get Christian Fulton or Jalen Johnson, who we've. Uh, pegged as somebody who would make a lot of sense, and literally every mock draft had the Vikings taking Jalen Johnson, smart guy, strong, lanky, a- another guy with a lot of experience playing in college. So this is going to be a-, a bit of a tough decision for the Vikings. I think that they go with the corner here, and they leave round one with a really great receiver prospect and pretty much whatever corner they wanted outside of A.J. Terrell, which would have been the guy that that would have been the home run pick to me, A.J. Terrell, but he went way earlier than I thought at 16. I thought he was going to be here now. Hey, one more quick nugget on on Justin Jefferson. I don't think you brought this up. This is from our friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. He tweeted this out a few minutes ago. I love I love stuff. I love, I love win shares. I love stuff like this. So according to Pro Football Focus, the Vikings only lose .3 wins in 2020 going from Diggs to Jefferson, assuming Jefferson plays... And, and is healthy and plays a season. I mean, so you just, Vegas would say the same, by the way. People overvalue wide receivers sometimes. You just couldn't have done much better. I mean, that's that's the way that I look at it is, sure, Jerry Judy might have been a little bit better, but this is kind of a guy who's very much like Jerry Judy in terms of checking all those boxes for being a great route runner, playing in a complex offense that is NFL-like, and uh, being able to fit in right away. someone that I always get concerned when I hear a guy only lined up on the outside because how many guys only line up in the outside in the NFL? Like Julio Jones? Right. I mean, every, everybody moves right. inside um, pretty often. So. The Vikings are no longer on the clock. Okay. Ian yes. Rappaport the reporting. Back. The Vikings have traded out of the number 25 spot. And the San Francisco 49ers are now on the clock. Ah, the, the prophesized trade back. Nice, nice work, Matthew yes, Collard. Yes. Wow. What's we've, the trade? Do we know? We've been calling for So this is another home run scenario, by the way. So they get the receiver who drops. That's a home run scenario. This is a big now jump for the back. Niners. The, the Niners were at 31. 31 so the Niners yeah. are jumping up six spots. They could, this probably gets the Vikings a th- another third or if, a fourth. If they get a third or, or even a... Well, wait, the 49ers don't have a second. What do the 49ers have? Very little. Yeah, how did the 49ers pull this Schefter's off? Schefter's going through it right okay, now, this, so he might well, be tweeting could, it out. He's literally reading off his phone yeah. right now. All right, so the Vikings the Vikings are officially at 31. We're trying to see what so this tra- is. I mean, trading out whatever they get, including uh, this, is good. Because you're picking up more picks and you're not losing anything in, uh, for what type of talent you could possibly get. And my guess here is that they have a corner they really like, that they have mocked through to 31 and said, I doubt any of these teams are taking cornerback blank. Mm-hmm. And that is likely Jeff Gladney or Jalon Johnson. Uh, AJ, you saw on Twitter it was, they're getting the 117. Oh, so the Vikings are trading 31, 
I'm sorry, the Niners are trading 31, 117, and another mid-100 pick? Go ahead and crack crack your mic. Yeah, um, Adam Shepard just is. popped on here, and he said that they're going to get the 31 pick, 117, and then... 176 and is 176. the other one, yep. So the Vikings okay. get 31, yeah, great, great one, so they get a fourth, 117 is a, is a fourth, I believe. And 176. And then 176. So the Vikings now have... The Vikings now have thirteen draft picks, so they they bail backwards and did exactly what we thought they might do. They bail backwards. They can pick whoever they want at thirty-one, and now they have tons of ammo to move back up in the second round if they want to as well tomorrow night. uh, Again, it's a draft that is deep with wide receivers, so you could take another one uh, with one seventeen and still possibly get a good player. Um, There will there be other safeties that could potentially be on the board then, or like you said. If you can move back into the second, I think second round picks will be very um, like closely hung on to with teams because this second round is going to be so thick with talent. But if you can find a way to get back into the second round, then you will have done a tremendous job for the Vikings to get two seconds because those are players like Irv Smith that we see in the past or Eric Kendricks, uh, Delvin Cook, who step in right away. And it's uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, who ends up going to San Francisco. He's exactly their type of guy. He's another type of Debo Samuel. You could throw him the ball. He's going to make plays after the catch type of guy and uh, a late riser in the process. But uh, for San Francisco, everyone was surprised. Like, what? Why did they get Javon Kinlaw? But now they come out of the first round in really great shape for a team that just went to the Super Bowl. So here's what the Vikings have. I'm just on, I'm just trying to finagle this here. So they now have pick one. They have pick 31. They have pick 58 in the second round. Then they have picks 89 and 105 in the third round, 117 and 132 in the fourth round, and 155, 179 in the fifth, 201 and 205 in the sixth, and also three seventh round picks. So they have, they still have their first round pick. They still have a second round pick. They have two thirds. They've got two fourths, I believe. Two fifths. One seventy six. Two six. Is it? Is it a sixth? Which uh, picks are you trading for Trent Williams? All of them. <laughs> you're probably. I mean, they can. They can. You're probably trading. Trade one of your thirds. Third rounder. Trade. Trade. I one think of your Washington thirds. by this point is probably panicked because he's not playing there. Yep. They're going to have to to trade him. And a I, bunch of teams just got new tackles that needed tackles. Exactly. So Cleveland's out now. So the question becomes: What does the Williams camp want? I, I think the bigger question tonight is probably the negotiation with the player himself, and Washington's going to take what they can get in typical Washington fashion. Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, but if they, they come away with that with a left tackle, a wide receiver, and a cornerback at thirty-one, at this point, I would that start, tells us a lot. I'd start with one of the fourths. What's the lower fourth? One thirty-two. I'd start with yeah. that and be like, okay, did you get a better offer than that? If not, then give us Trent Williams and let's go on from there. Phil, what's one seventy-six then? Is that the one that you said they got once? It was one seventy-nine. One seventy-nine from San Francisco. It's either at the end of the fifth or or somewhere at the beginning okay. of the sixth. All right. But and by the way, they so they have they have thirteen more picks tonight, <laughs> and then they have fourteen total picks oh, if you include man. Justin Jefferson. Saturday, what a day! <laughs> you know what? what a day. I I bet I bet that at least one, if not two, of those picks are gone are traded. Then I, I think that uh, that is right. I that, bet they have twelve that, picks that, that they could use some of those picks to trade up at some point to get mm-hmm. a player they really like. But I think that the Williams momentum should be back on in yes. terms of our conversation because. 
And what's the key there? That that tells us so much yeah. about and, their intentions. And someone else is going to draft Josh Jones here and, and, again, have a tackle that they feel like dropped and they got lucky. And Ezra Cleveland, those are more starting tackles. And, and all of a sudden, the number of teams that feel like they need Trent Williams has reduced to only a couple. I was going to say, I who, mean, who yeah, besides right. the Vikings now? Cleveland got their guy. Tampa Bay got their guy. And uh, so, and the Jets, too, were another team that could yeah. potentially. And they drafted a tackle. So that leaves kind of the Vikings as one of the only teams out there. So you have you know, the corners you could take here at 31. You could also keep trading down if you just want to gather more and more picks. In the at some round. point, there's got to be diminishing returns on having, like, you've got 14 total picks. Do you need six? True, but this is Rick Spielman, who absolutely loves to trade but down. But I'll also tell you where exactly that is, and I think that it's probably around the 40th pick. That's where you're not any longer going to have guys that you think are equal on the board. So if you trade it down again, it's not a nightmare by any means. I personally would pick at 31, take your favorite corner. But what did they say about a lot of these corners is that, you know, there might be some limited ceilings on them that none of these guys are going to become Darrell Revis. Mm -hmm. So you would say about Jeff Gladney or Christian Fulton or Jalen Johnson, this could be a really good and solid corner that Mike Zimmer develops into more than what's there and plays for you for a very long time. But this is not going to be what Xavier Rhodes was in 2017, more likely than not. So if that's the case, that's usually a second-round pick. And a lot of these guys were graded as second-round picks, and they thought, the mock drafters, that a team like the Vikings would reach a bit on those guys. Well, they might not have to. So they could sit here and see if Jones continues to drop down the board, but I think that they've got a corner they like or two corners they like equally, and they know that they're not going to all be off the board by 31. Who has the quickest twitch? Oh, my. Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. It is that time for Courtney R. Draft Scout to join us and give us her analysis on not only the Justin Jefferson pick, but also uh, the 31st pick now after the Vikings decide to trade down. Courtney, the floor is yours. What is your takeaway? Man, I mean, this is Rick Spielman sticking to his philosophy, right? With all of the picks that he just accumulated out of the San Francisco 49ers trading up to get number 25. And you got to think that with Trent Williams being a massive target for the Minnesota Vikings here, that Spielman just accumulated the draft capital he needs to be able to execute something tomorrow. Can we talk about Justin Jefferson for a minute here, Courtney? Um, My scouting is, wow, this guy's really good and put up huge numbers there. That's my report. (laughs) What, What do you think? Because, I expected him to go higher, and he was the receiver that dropped, and they had to take him when he was available at 22. Absolutely. There's five receivers in this class who had a scout's ink grade over 90, which you know anywhere from the 90 to 100 range is what they deem a rare prospect. So a first-rounder, uh, Brandon Ayuk, the last receiver who just went to San Francisco, was the fifth and final one who had that grade. So when Jefferson was available, like you and I had talked about on Purple Daily earlier, it being a very realistic possibility that the Vikings would go up and get him or stay where they are and get him, and they didn't have to trade. Uh, from my understanding, they were on the phone with Philadelphia, 
And Philly thought that, uh, you know, they were going to go, they were going to trade with them if, if they were to take a defensive player. But then Philly goes with Jalen Rieger out of TCU, and the Vikings get off scot free, not having to trade, not having to give up draft capital to get the player that they wanted at 22, who just happened to fall to them. He's the best slot receiver in the class. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, he gives them, you know, great, you know, great option on third down for them, a great intermediate route runner. Um, he proved what he needed to prove about his speed at with his 40 time at the Combine. I think it's a fantastic pick. And, yes, we did talk about the fact that they could have waited until day two to get a wide receiver, and who's to say that they won't do that again tomorrow. But when a player like Justin Jefferson's available to you at 22, they did the right thing and they didn't overthink it. Yeah, if they, I, I think they're going to start to use some of this draft capital to either trade for a Trent Williams or to maneuver their way back up higher up into the second round. But if they were to just stand pat – and select where they're going to select. They've got they have three third round picks, the second round pick, three third round picks. There's a pretty good chance in a deep wide receiver draft that they could use like pick one seventeen on another wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, like what? What do you I mean, th- do? You think? Point, it, uh, go that ahead. Point, go ahead. You're drafting for traits, anyways, Phil. I mean, you know, one seventeen being in the fourth round. There's a lot of guys who are going to get pushed to that range. Maybe even a Tyler Johnson. I know we've talked about him in so many of our mock drafts being there in the third well maybe he's a day three pick now i don't know how much uh the no pro days and and no meetings helped or hurt him but you know the chance for guys like that to get pushed further down the board and just happen to be available to you early on saturday morning you can fill out your receiver class pretty well and not have to trade up to, to do so or not have to use one of those high picks that you still have in the second or third round. I mean, go ahead and find more cornerbacks. Go ahead and get a safety, get an edge rusher, and address the wide receiver position in that fourth round. So, Courtney, uh, Josina Anderson from ESPN is saying the Browns are now out in the Trent Williams discussions. I don't think we really know who's all in, and and the smoke might have to clear from this first round to figure it out. But in terms of compensation – I don't know what leverage Washington has more than they did a month ago at this point. So, I mean, what does your gut tell you in terms of, is it a third? Is it a fourth? If you want Trent Williams, where do you think that price lands? Well, the price is dropping. And I think the fact that Cleveland got the Jedrick Wills, right? The tackle from Alabama, the fact they were able to get him uh, kind of took themselves out of the uh, Trent Williams race at this point. We knew there were four teams between the Vikings, the Brown, the the Jets, and the Eagles. And I don't know if the Eagles were just a smokescreen, uh, but they're not, you know, they're probably not in this. So it feels like it's all down to Minnesota at this point, and suddenly the Vikings have all the leverage. Like, we went into this thinking Washington's going to be able to play hardball. There's going to be some team that misses out on a tackle, and they're going to be able to name their price. Well, it doesn't look like this is happening tonight. We're at the 27th pick. Uh, right now, and it does not feel like Trent Williams is going to be moved anywhere. So when it comes to day two, you probably can now spend a fourth-round pick on him. I was told, um, you know, as of last week, you know, the Vikings were engaging in talks, and I believe it was a fourth or a fifth-rounder that was offered, uh, just as an initial offer, kind of feeling out the process, and obviously nothing happened. Now, if that happens tomorrow, it might be a completely different outcome because it feels like Williams' options are very limited. And all Washington wanted to do was get something in return because cutting him would have given them a little bit of, you know, they they wouldn't have had that much dead cap. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But a player of that caliber, you at least want a fourth-round pick, and I think they should be able to get that. Uh, Courtney, the Green Bay Packers just drafted Jordan Love. Your thoughts? 
You know, I saw that, and in one of my mock drafts that I did on Monday, uh, we did an all-32 round one, and I had them taking Justin Herbert because Herbert had fallen there. They This was the one team that had to draft a quarterback that you wondered, are they going to? Um, we don't know how much longer Aaron Rodgers is going to play. There's obviously no indication that he's retiring anytime soon, but this is a perfect situation where Jordan Love was, the fact that New England passed over him, the fact that New Orleans did too. I think it's a smart pick for uh, Green Bay to do that and, you know, to be able to get somebody in waiting in the wings, similar to the Rodgers situation when he was drafted. Okay, this is an amazing parallel. The Packers, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers 15 years ago, Brett Favre was 35 and it was right around the same exact spot in the draft. Aaron Rodgers is 36 and they traded up. They gave up capital to trade up to get a quarterback to sit behind Rodgers. I got a feeling that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to handle this. I, he'll probably handle it about the same way Brett Favre did, which is don't make eye contact with the guy that's going to take your job for like <laughs> yeah. two or three years. Well, the one thing about Jordan Love, though, Corey, you tell me if you agree, is that he is so obviously a development guy that it's not like he's coming in to challenge Rodgers right away. I mean, this is a two or three year sitting maybe for him to let Rodgers play it out and then retire. Yeah, I think that there's no way uh, the way that Ro- I know that you think Rogers is washed, but um, this is right proof. now he's probably they got think so too. <laughs> I mean, they, they need to get him a wide receiver, tight end, um, unless Mercedes Lewis is going to continue to play until he's like seventy. But um, they need to do something to you know continue to build around him. But I think this is a smart move because eventually he's going to retire, and it's smart when you can use the draft and not have to trade all the way into the top 10 to try to you know be a top 10 team to get a quarterback that's within that range, this is a smart pick, and it's a pick for the future. I mean, they are literally building out their roster, not for now, but for the next three to five years with Jordan Love. You know who just won this draft pick is the Minnesota Vikings because Rogers. They, they did not get a player to make their offense better yeah. this year. Now, the second round, you know, they could get somebody there, but... You know, spending this high of a draft pick on a quarterback means that that guy is going to make no impact whatsoever uh, unless Rodgers gets hurt on 2020, and therefore the uh, the Vikings win that draft pick. The Vikings actually win twice because this also guarantees that Aaron Rodgers is the Vikings quarterback in 2022 or no 23. No question about it. No question <laughs> oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, no, I think, I think it's a smart pick, and... You know, we all projected that there would be four gone in the first round. I mean, there have been a few things that have gone as scheduled tonight. Uh, the quarterbacks in, in the order that they went in are probably one of the only things because the fact that the receivers came off the board as they did, Henry Wright being the first one, uh, the way that the cornerbacks haven't even been touched outside of uh, – who was the third taken outside of uh, AJ Terrell? Like, I yeah. mean, this is all lining up for the Vikings to do exactly what they want at 31, depending on if uh, Cleveland's there, if Josh Jones is there, and then they could get there, you know, any of the cornerbacks that they want. I mean, Christian Fulton's still there, Trayvon Diggs, who we had said has been falling for quite some time. Um, the TCU cornerback, Jeff Gladney's there, Jalen Johnson. I mean, they have their pick now because all those guys have day two grades. I think they played this extremely well. This also is, um, you know, I I think it's proof that the Jordan Love hype was too much, though. That you had a bunch of people thinking, oh, you know, the Chargers will take them, or Miami's going to pick Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. That was a big debate. I remember McShay 
uh, who hopefully is getting better dealing with coronavirus, but McShay and, and Kuiper going at it about where Jordan Love was going to be picked, and he ends up dropping to the very back of the first round where there are a lot of busts historically. Like, usually if you're drafting the fourth quarterback in the back of the first round, like, this is not the greatest prospect you're going to find. So uh, it's just proof that sometimes you hear things through the process that aren't exactly true when it comes to some of these guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think that this is, remember we heard that this was going to be um, a situation where a lot of our mocks were essentially busted early on. I don't think that's entirely the case. Um, but there was, you know, when you're talking about like some misinformation out there and just kind of the stuff that's been floated around, it's amazing how it's all seemed to sort itself out as we've gotten to the end of the first round. That is Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Oh, I'm sorry. That is Courtney R. Draft Scout from ESPN.com. Did you hear Matthew legally changed my name today? Yeah, without her knowing. Who has the quickest twitch? (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Vikings are picking here. Uh, The Seahawks pick is in at 27. The Vikings are picking in a few minutes. Courtney, we will catch up with you again tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Courtney R. Draft Scout. This is remarkable. All, All these draft picks now. Nine picks right now, as we sit here, nine picks on Saturday alone. Two in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, three in the seventh. I knew that's what you were doing over there. Tomorrow. That's we were talking to Courtney. Like, I've been he's, writing. He's tomorrow lining up all the picks. Uh, he's got 14 picks. The Trent Williams trade. It's happening. Write this down. Is going it's down. Happening. Yeah, like you've got like there's no so question. many picks at this point. There's no question. I think he likes he loves to have Rick loves to have ten picks and and he had twelve in 2019 and I think he probably likes twelve, fourteen. An embarrassment to is riches. is means you're doing something. Okay, and you know what? Good for him if they do this. Kudos to them. Although they do have the roster spots to take 14 players. They actually, no kidding, do. They only have 60 human beings playing for right. the team right now, but, and they can have 90. But this would answer our question, which is what are your intentions for this team? If you go get a veteran left tackle, piece this together with a wide receiver who you think can step in pretty quickly and play, right? And a cornerback, and Mike Hughes develops. I'm not saying you're in perfect shape. But you're definitely far more serious about 2020 than I thought you were last week. Packer Ventline is going to be lit tomorrow on Mackie and Joe with oh, Romney. Yes. It'll be very exciting. Adam Schefter with a nice little dig tweet here. He says, And so former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy gets a first-round wide receiver in his first draft with the Cowboys. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't get a first-round wide receiver or running back for the 15th straight year. Packers get his successor instead. I mean, if you're a Vikings fan right now, you got to be thrilled. The Packers, twice in the last 15 years with a Hall of Fame quarterback, have said, coming off of win- a winning playoff season, by the way, which is the same thing they did in 2005, they were coming off four straight trips to the playoffs. With a new GM. And they said, oh, let's find the replacement. What, did, normally what are I would, you doing? I would normally think this was really smart, but I just don't like the prospect. There are so many guys who have big arms, who make lots of mistakes and are talked about as, oh, their traits wow you. And what is Jordan Love most likely to become? Like a Josh Allen? Like that's what well, he becomes? And if, if you're going to go the uh, potential developmental route, do it on Saturday. Yeah, well, in this draft, like take your chances draft, on Saturday, take, right? Take Jalen Hurts instead. He's probably you won thirteen just, games, just as good of a, a prospect. That's yeah, good for the, I, good I, uh, for the Vikings. If you're Rodgers and you looked at the, you know, you looked at the draft board too, and you saw Denzel Mims, Lavisca Chenault, T. Higgins, yeah. 
uh, KJ Hamler. Like these are all decent options, and you didn't go with any of those. Feels right with though. The quarterback, he's got to be fuming. Feels right every time the, the Packers pull a stunt like this on Aaron, he gets closer and closer to saying. I'd like to end my career at U.S. Bank Stadium. He's he's playing for the Vikings. Uh, other option for Aaron Rodgers would be the Patriots. By the way, that's been brought up because of course. So this is our first pick with Seattle. That I'm kind of like what? Uh, Jordan Brooks, an inside linebacker, taken by Seattle from a great defense in Texas Tech. By the but, way, but not uh, not Patrick Queen and not Kenneth Murray, the two guys that were consistently mocked as being very high first round picks. Instead, they go with Jordan Brooks. So that's. An interesting selection. If I were them, if I were Seattle, I would have taken a wide receiver here and continued to stack up around Russell Wilson. But they also run the ball all the time and have Russell Wilson as their quarterback. So Seattle is Seattling. Gents, we are in hour 36 of 36 Hours of Purple. Congratulations to everyone Whee, here. For, all right. Congratulations. Let's take a quick break because the Vikings assuming they don't trade back again, are going to pick here in probably 10 or 15 minutes at number 31. This is Score North's coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft. Justin Jefferson already in purple. Who might they add at pick 31? Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar with you here. Quarantined with nothing but 36 hours straight of Vikes talk. 36 hours of purple on Score North. Presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group. Welcome back. As we count down to the Vikings pick at number 31 now. Like a Clays, Clays Campbell. Campbell. Oh, Walter Payton Man of the Year from uh, 2019. Um, the Vikings have one more pick in the first round. It's pick 31. They already picked Justin Jefferson. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar here as part of Scornorth's 36 Hours of Purple, a live Vikings draft special. And you can find full coverage as well after the fact on scorenorth.com. So let's let's reset things here. Baltimore's pick is in at 28. In fact, we might get that real quick here before we reset. Roger Goodell is ready to rock. Roger looks tired now. He's got that cardigan. I think the day is taking a toll on Raj. Yeah, Raj looks a little worn. Trey Wingo actually looks much more worn four hours into this than Roger Goodell does. They couldn't get uh, Baltimore fans? Oh, oh no, there, there, they they are. Are. there they are. There they All are. Right, so they popped up at the very last second. <laughs> well, there's a guy with, are those like raven claws right above Roger Goodell's shoulder? They taped this at noon. They taped those fans at noon. Those <laughs> they people had, they all, had to have. Those they people probably are all did. sound asleep by now. It's 11.42. Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU, going to the Ravens. So now Tennessee's on the clock at 29. He's the one that makes the pick for of Jordan Brooks to Seattle so baffling. I mean, everybody had Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen higher than Jordan Brooks. And so to take him when he's a day two guy for Seattle is pretty much an example of them trying to um, like prove to everybody that they know something that you don't. Yeah, like they're one of those teams that had one or two great drafts, and they think, yes, we are draft geniuses. <laughs> the- right, and turns out nobody really is. So Baltimore landing another great defensive player, like. The Baltimore Ravens, when all of us are dead in the year 2143, will still have a great defense with all sorts of talent. Yeah, and ba- yeah, Baltimore. Sorry, that got morbid. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Four to six these, years from now. These days, I don't know that I like to hear that. When we've defeated the virus, four to six years from now, they will Fingers still have crossed. a good defense. So, what? So the Vikings are up in three picks here. They traded back. They've got 14 total picks in this draft. 
What's on the board right now that you like for the Vikings at 31, Matthew Collar? A lot. Honestly, a lot. Like, um, like enough to trade back again? Um, yes, if they wanted to. Because every darn corner that they could possibly want that was not A.J. Terrell or C.J. Henderson, or obviously they were never going to get Jeff Akuda. But my list here would be Jeff Gladney uh, is the first guy that they would want. Him, I think you have to take at 31. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton, and then probably Trayvon Diggs. And, and past that, there are some other guys. Oh, yeah, I forgot that Damon Arnett went to Oakland early. That one yes. throws me off. That was a very surprising pick. Another team that does the same thing. No, it's no, no, the Raiders, no. We're, it's we're the Raiders. smarter. We've got some sort of answer. That's a classic uh, John Gruden thing to pick a day two guy in day one to prove how smart they are. But, uh, yeah, yeah, those those guys are a cut above to me. It's Gladney and then Johnson, Fulton, um, those three, if you pick any one of those guys, you're in good shape. But Josh Jones still being on the board as we carry on. I think he is he going to go to the Titans here? Ful- Josh Jones? Fulton was supposed to be gone by now, correct? Some people said yes, and some people said uh, that he was a middle to late second rounder. I mean, he's one okay. of the most controversial prospects. His production at LSU is just terrific. Um, but some people think, you know, maybe he's not this, he's not big enough, or he's not that. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked him a lot when I saw him play, um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was an early day two pick or if the Vikings wanted him here. I just think that Gladney and Johnson sort of are uh, closer to the Zimmer type of corner. Gladney reminds me a lot of Mike Hughes, of being a, a little bit smaller but very strong for that position and possibly could play nickel, whereas uh, Jalen Johnson is taller Another strong guy and very, very smart, like known for his IQ and his love for football study and, and things like that. If they pick any one of those guys, you are in great shape. All right, need your thoughts on this too, Collar, because uh, our our new video stream, just we've been sending out new video streams for every segment here, and you can watch us score on our Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And the, uh, the question on this was, who will the Vikings draft at 31? And 75% of the responses are Winfield, because we love Antoine Winfield yes, here, right? Yes. Like, is... Th- is that possible with 31? Does it make sense? People are connecting dots. I think there's some wishful thinking, but it's around the time where he could start to go somewhere. Is he a fit at all for the Vikings at 31? Uh, let me just correct myself on something I said. We were breaking down the 22nd pick, and I missed Kenneth Murray going 23rd. So he was off the board by the time they took Brooks, uh, just to correct that. But sure. not taking Queen is weird for Seattle. It's not crazy to take Antoine Winfield Jr., with the 31st pick, if your next announcement is that you've traded Anthony Harris for a second-round pick or an early third-round pick. Then, if you were picking, if you got Antoine Winfield Jr. to go along with Justin Jefferson, and then you were picking twice in the second or three times in the third with a second-round pick, I mean, I, I don't dislike that at all because Winfield is one of those guys that you can do so much with. He is such a high IQ player. He proved at the Combine that he has NFL athleticism. He has the bloodline to go along with it, but he's got that baller mentality. I was watching him return a punt, and I totally forgot this happened, where he just like shredded a bunch of tackles and yes. went for a touchdown. It's like, that's what you want to see, though. That's the stuff that Tyron Matthew did in college. Where His you're instincts like, are off the charts. Yeah, this dude is a football player. He's just a special type of guy that if he was a slot receiver, he'd probably be pretty good. Um, you know, the, the sleeper... 
for them in this position, though, is probably like a, a defensive lineman because very few of them have gone off the board mm-hmm. here so far. But if you were going to take just positional value, if you were going to take a safety, that is a little bit harder because the positional value is not the same as a corner. So that's the only thing I would say is it's not about the player. I love the player for Antoine Winfield Jr., but if you can only get a fourth-round pick back for Anthony Harris, you should probably just sign him to a contract extension and take a corner. I love the Hall of Fame bust behind Kurt Warner. I can't get over it. Every time they show him, he's got the Hall of Fame bust, the Super Bowl He's trophy. constantly surrounded by himself. It's not a humble brag. It's just it's a just brag. No, straight, straight up brag. You know what? He's got it. <laughs> I would do that. Deserves too. it. Man. So, so in, in your opinion, what's the least that they should take for, for Harris? If they trade him, third-round pick Third. at the very yep. least? Because that's going to be the compensation. Okay. Uh, if they lose, lost him in free agency, or I mean, I guess they still could rescind the franchise tag, but I wouldn't do that. That's a bad look. Yeah. Um. So, but if you trade him, you're probably talking about a third round pick. And if you draft three times in the third round mm-hmm. in a very deep draft, mm-hmm. that gives you an opportunity to pick, you know, a, a developmental tackle who might have a chance to surprise you, or a guard. You can actually pick a good guard in the third round. There's someone like Damian Lewis who With might the be actually quite good. Pick. In the 2020 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Isaiah Wilson, tackle, Georgia. Okay, I think that this is a big overdraft for Isaiah Wilson. He is a massive human being, but technically not particularly good um, and more of a project than he is. If the Vikings had drafted Isaiah Wilson, I think I would have said, ooh, wow, they really reached on that one. But this leaves Josh Jones still on the board. And that is a decently strong possibility that they could do it, even as annoyed as Mike Zimmer would be. I mean, Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer would be annoyed, but at the same time, like this offense would be pretty damn good on paper if those two picks panned yes. out. And and he so. said at the combine, we have to pass protect better for Kirk Cousins, and yeah. then they've done nothing in the off season right. to pass protect better for Kirk Cousins. So there has to be. Something coming eventually. And one would think when, when they signed Kirk to the extension that there was some conversation between the two parties, right, uh, about pass protection. I, mean, I would think that there had to be some type of conversation about, yes. hey, can we help? Um, okay, let's say they take uh, the tackle then, the uh, left tackle at Josh 31, Jones, yeah. Josh Jones at 31. Now what becomes the options at cornerback? If you don't, if you stay at fifty-eight as well. Well, and now this is an interesting point because if you stay at fifty-eight, yep. there's still a reasonable possibility you can get someone good. There is a drop-off around, I think, six corners that go off the board after right now, five or six, mm-hmm. where you don't like what you see. There's the guy from Auburn whose name is very hard to pronounce, and I'll practice it if they draft him. <laughs> But uh, Noah, Fair enough. Noah I, is is the guy. Auburn, don't don't get uh, on that tight that tight rope. There, there's uh, Melinda uh, again. I'll practice it when they draft him. <laughs> um, but there's also a guy, uh, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State, who's pretty intriguing. There, Bryce Hall from Virginia, uh, who you know is, is a possibility. There's Amick Robertson from Louisiana State. Like so, there there are all these guys that are not quite as. Good of a prospect as Gladney or Fulton or Johnson. But there's also a halfway decent chance that one of them ends up at the bottom of the second round if you go with the tackle. Now, I tend to lean toward corner what Mike Tannenbaum said this morning on our station 14 hours ago was that it's a borderline emergency at corner. And I tend to agree. 
that it is a borderline emergency at corner. But Jones being there is... Are there are there potential uh, guys on the open market still, like Walker, who could be signed to plug and play for a year if you have to do that? Yes. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that's so. ideal. Um, someone but, like, you know, Tremont Williams is still out there, and he, gosh, he's been around forever, but... Can he you know, play? So was Terrence Man, Newman. Can he play in the you know what? system? It's weird. Um, yeah, like he was still halfway decent through last year. Like, not great. I'm sure Packers fans would point out some plays that he didn't look great for being 36. But there's a couple of guys. I would have to look through the list. There's a couple. Um, the, the guy, J- uh, Jonathan Joseph, who used to play for Cincinnati. There's, let's see, who got cut there from uh, Chicago? Is that Prince of Makamura? Yes. I don't think that he's found a home. No, and he's rough at this point. Yeah, but do you really want to come away without a position that's that valuable? I don't know. I, I do think that with all the extra draft capital, though, one very good plan would be to try to trade up into the early second round and throw a bunch of draft capital at it. Here's a third. Here's a fifth. Here's a seventh. Oh, you want another seventh? Oh, you want another seventh? Yeah, I was going to say, take, <laughs> yeah. take all the you seventh want, round you picks want you Anthony want. Harris too? You can have every one of them. Yeah, they have a lot that they could trade up. If uh, Jones does not get taken here, and Miami shouldn't be taking him after they picked Austin Jackson. Yep. So if they don't take Josh Jones... Um, then I think it's a very good pick for the Vikings Man. to get that pass blocking left tackle. Interesting. I mean, there are, think about all the scenarios on the board here, too. Like the Vikings could still be moving on from Anthony Harris. They could still trade for Trent Williams. They could still move way up in the second round with all the draft capital they yeah. have for rounds three through seven. Yep. Um, there's, there's also other players we haven't really talked about. Uh, like current veteran players that they could make a trade for here. So this is like in a lot of ways, these next three days are going to determine Rick Spielman's future as the general manager here. Yeah. Uh, the next two or three years with the Vikings. So I don't know if he's like drafting for a contract extension. I don't know if I would say that. I but. think though, if he, if he does make a couple more moves and they make the trade with Washington, that tells you that, that he's acknowledging the pressure to absolutely try and win now, because that's been my question. Are you are going into the last year of your contract, and so is your coach. And are you really going to put this all on draft picks, who, by the way, now aren't going to have OTAs and camps, basically, until training camp starts? So now if you acquire some veteran talent and couple that with the draft picks, it makes a lot more sense to say, I know that I needed to make some impact movements for 2020. Yeah. And if it helps us in 2021, that's great, too. But there's more of an acknowledgment. Well, with the Jefferson pick, you just did it all right. I mean, this is a guy who is going to be good for you right away and is going to be good for you down the road. Um, The Trent Williams thing would tell us a lot about the amount of pressure, even though it's a justifiable move. It's also very risky. And somebody brought up to me today, remember the Brandon Albert thing with Miami, where it's like, oh, no, he's good to go. He's good to come back. And then it was a disaster. Like the guy didn't want to play anymore and he was horrible. Uh, So, you know, it is risky to do that. And that would show us the real type of all in Um, as, as far as it determining his future, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of does. Whether every the, every pick works out or not, I don't know. You can only do the best you can do tonight and tomorrow. But, you know, you don't have a lot of control over these things. There have been other drafts where we thought they got their guy and it didn't work out. Um, so, you know, we'll see on that. Uh, but at least the way that they've started, I think they've done a terrific job. So let me give you guys a couple of sleepers here. So I like Jones. I like any corner. But there's two other guys uh I mentioned Xavier McKinney, 
a tremendous, tremendous player for Alabama who can do anything. He could be your nickel. He could be your box. He could be your deep. Uh, and him and Harrison Smith would be a scary proposition. And if you know that your cornerback play isn't going to be great right away and you think you can get a third for Anthony Harris, get a guy who can move all over and do everything. Think about you know the Chiefs' corners last year were nobody special. Brashad Breeland, somebody else. But Tyron Matthew made them special because mm-hmm. he was able to do so many things. McKinney might open up Harrison Smith like we've talked about for years. So McKinney uh, is a potential guy. Also, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. They love Iowa players, for one. They love those Big Ten guys. And this is a player who was initially a top 15 type of prospect who dropped because his combine wasn't great. It also wasn't horrible, and his tape is amazing. I mean, this guy is a monster, and he's the type of power rusher that Everson Griffin was. Um, so those are kind of your sleepers if you think that corners are going to drop and if you're just not as interested in Josh Jones as everybody else is. Is Hunter going to to right end now, or is he going to stay put at left end? He should just stay where he is. I mean, continue to face the lesser tackles in the league at right tackle and maul them. Uh, If they don't get a defensive end who makes things um, tough on that side, it will be harder for Daniil Hunter to rack up the sacks. Uh, I looked into this, statistically speaking, and one out of every four pass rushes for Everson Griffin, he was facing extra attention. Um, so that means if you're Griffin was, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Griffin was, okay. and and that means that Hunter wasn't yes. uh, on those, and so Hunter rarely saw double teams and sometimes and, and tight ships. ends, and sometimes he saw tight ends, and um, I think it was our guy Sage Rosenfels explained that they set it up that way, like they show blitzes on one side on third downs that get teams to shift their protection, mm-hmm. and then once they shift their protection toward that side, that leaves Hunter on a tight end, and he just annihilates tight ends. That goes away, I think, to some extent if uh, without Everson Griffin, if you don't have someone who is dangerous on the other side. And a couple of people reported that the Vikings were very interested in Caleb on Chason and would have selected him had he drafted. I saw that from a couple of people. Uh, our guy John Krasinski said they were very high on Caleb on Chason. So I, I don't know how they feel about Epinesa. There might be some concerns there that he isn't the quickest guy in the world, but Everson Griffin, I mean, he was kind of everything, but he was the power rusher too. Sure. So those are those are a few potential sleepers. I really do like the McKinney idea because the positionless safety slash linebacker slash nickel corner is so exciting. Yeah, McKinney right now on Mel Kuyper's big board is 14th overall, the 14th best overall player, and obviously we're sitting here at 30th. So like, if you if you just go off of Mel Kuyper's board. Think about the value right there. And we, you know, we've been sitting here talking about Antoine Winfield Jr. late in the first round, and the fact that you might have a better a better player at the same position. Yeah, I, I think Miami would be smart to draft Antoine Winfield Jr. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick and got a first round pick with the thirtieth pick in the two thousand twenty NFL Draft. The Miami Dolphins select Noah Igbenogany, defensive back. Auburn. Well, celebrate for not having to say his name. <laughs> Igbenogamy. Goodell nailed it's, it. It's doable. It, it's Raj doable. nailed it. Igbenogamy. He recorded that earlier with seven takes. He, no, he is also that. sound asleep right 100%. now. 100%. He's upstairs. Uh, so but, but this is a guy who I think the Vikings had, uh, they had uh, the attention of the Vikings, Igbenogamy, because he has a very high ceiling. But now, 
All your corners are there. Your tackle is there. Winfield Jr. is there. McKinney is there. You could trade back again. Boy, God, you're just in such a you're you're in a great spot if you're the Vikings right now. You're sitting really here. Are. The funniest thing you is, really yeah, guys, Rich Spielman might trade back again. Yeah, that's uh, the funniest thing about this. Um, is there's don't no, buzz kill this for us, Rick. No gar- make a pick no tonight. Guarantee that he make won't. a pick you can tonight. Definitely trade back. He again. loves to get these picks. Uh, I will give you another sleeper. Would be uh, Ezra Cleveland, who uh, is a very very athletic offensive tackle that jumped on everybody's board uh, at the NFL Combine, and I mean. He didn't just have like an exciting combine. He had an unreal combine. It was sort of like with Brian O'Neill, where we looked at it and went, like, is that is that really an offensive tackle who did that? Uh, Ezra Cleveland was the same sort of thing. The only worry is just the competition that he played against and some of excuse me, some of his size things. Um, you know, he's six six but only weighs three eleven, but that's that's bigger than uh, Brian O'Neill was. Mm-hmm. He ran a four nine three forty. At six six, three hundred eleven pounds. Wow, and that's that's insane. Uh, and and all of his other stuff is crazy high. Broad jump, three cone. Vikings love their three cone. And uh, the website Mock Draftable has comparisons, like athletic comparisons. Mm-hmm. And Brian O'Neill is one of them to Ezra Cleveland. Okay, so uh, I could see draftable, that. Draftable man. That and Cleveland is, could I play. I know left tackle. I mean, maybe not in 2020, but could he? So I think. What's his progress? I think you take. Or projection. Um, yeah, I don't think you take him because I'm not 100% sure he could play left tackle. Okay. So this is weird. I know, this is going to be so annoying. He has short arms and doesn't have big hands. And I know, like, oh. that's. Like, no, I know. no, I know. no, you can't do I know. it. I am not kidding you. This <laughs> Brian Bulaga. T Rex syndrome. Brian man. Bulaga. He has, he no, you can't do that. He has hands that are like my size. And oh, no, then I'm out. 6'6. Six, six. It actually is a thing that you'd be surprised, but I know. it kind of can make a difference. It's a big gift um, for quarterbacks, too. Yes, Dante, Spin Cole, the ball. Dante Culpepper, man. But, yeah, uh, Harvard, the big mitts. Couldn't so, pick up a whopper. I don't. Th- I think they go Jeff Gladney here. Jeff Gladney, the TCU corner, um, right. just seems like he'd be a perfect fit with what Zimmer wants to do. Jalen Johnson is also the other guy who uh, is a very nice match for the Minnesota Vikings. But if you trade down, there's like... When there's five to seven players that you could pick and you'd give them an A, you can trade down and still be in good shape. The pick is in. Okay, has they're not, making it. Goodell Jeff, has not announced it yet. I'm going to say... Oh, I hope you're happy, Phil. I'm going to say they go Gladney, but we'll see here. All right. This is not anywhere near as obvious as the first pick. As soon as Jefferson got there, you just went, okay, we'll I'm take gonna him. Say, I'm going to say they go Winfield Jr. here. I'm going to say they get Provincial. By the way, just to slip this in quick here. It would be a, a, a an A selection. I just love Winfield Jr. as a player, yeah. so I would like that a lot. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTP, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Score North, and the Score North at Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer on camera here. Looking bewildered, confused. <laughs> Zim's sure got nothing. With the 31st pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Jeff Gladney. Yep, there it is. There you go. Connor nailed it. There it is. All right, all right. Let's deep dive into Gladney. Bra- okay. Brain dump it all on us right, all right now. So, Jeff Gladney. I'll tell you the things that I really like about him. I mean, one, he is a tremendous, tremendous athlete. So he's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, So you're not talking about the next Xavier Rhodes, but you are talking about a similar-sized guy to Mike Hughes, and there's a lot of similarities between these two. Um, But the biggest thing for him that I'm sure that they really like is he succeeds a lot in press because he's very strong, plays a similar system 
at TCU to what Mike Zimmer, like what he's good at is what Mike Zimmer often asks them to do, like cover four or man-to-man type of coverage. And he is a great leaper. So even though he isn't the tallest guy, he makes up for some of that with his ability to go up and uh, and make plays on the football. And he has just a lot of experience. So he's got a 38-inch vertical, which is NBA-level vertical. He's got long arms for somebody who's only five foot ten. But what I like about him the most is just that he's played a ton of football. So he 44 games in college under his belt. Right. 2017, he played over 700 snaps and then over 800 in 2018, over 700 in 2019. So when you look at how many targets the guy has faced, he's faced a good 200 throws in his direction where some corners have only faced you know 50 or 60. Uh, his experience could be a big deal for him stepping in right away. The other part of it, too, is when you draft a guy with this sort of size, you look at him and go, you know, could he play a nickel and... That again, just like with receivers, that used to be a slam. Oh, you know, guy, you know, you got to move him to nickel or something. But now that is usually a, a key position that's on the field for seventy percent of snaps. So he kind of profiles a little bit similarly to Mackenzie Alexander, actually. Um, so if he ends up playing nickel and you have Hughes and Hill on the outside, that could be good for them. Or if he outplays the other guys early on, he could be. Your lockdown outside corner to start, and his experience really, really helps him with that. How would you rate? And I, I, I'm going to start with the Xavier Rhodes draft of of 2013. Was it? Yeah, 2013. Xavier Rhodes. So first round cornerback Xavier Rhodes, first round cornerback Trey Waynes in 2015. Mackenzie Alexander was uh, kind of a mid second round pick in 16, and then Mike Hughes in 2018. Judd and I talked about this earlier. I think. I think like people sometimes look at Trey Waynes and say, well, he's a bust just because he's not a perennial pro bowler. When you're drafting cornerbacks in the first round, what do you need for it to be a successful draft pick? I don't think all of them have to be Xavier Rhodes locked down three years to be yeah. successful. Yep. To me, it's are you a good starting, especially late in the first round, are you a good starting caliber cornerback that you can rely on and maybe you make a pro bowl or two? Like, if you do those things, you're not a bust by any means. Well, Trey Wayans is not a bust because he was a starting outside corner on Mm -hmm. defenses that ranked in the top five and played every down for those and and was a tremendous run stopper. It's actually funny. I was looking at some old scouting reports that questioned whether he could be good against the run. He developed into being great, downright great against the run. Um, So, you know, if you're really good at something and you're average in coverage, but you're on top defenses and – you know, you're not a home run pick. You're not going to the Hall of Fame. They didn't even sign him to a second contract, which is usually where you'd say the pick didn't exactly work out. But a starter for five years who was solid, I would say yes. And if Jeff Gladney gives them the same thing as Trey Waynes did at the 31st pick, then you're going to feel like you've done very well. Um, by the way, last year, only 46% of passes that were thrown Jeff Gladney's way were completed. Hmm. And on 22% of them, he forced the incompletion for some wow. way. Like he had a PBU or an interception or did something to force the incompletion. So against TCU competition, which is pretty good. It's not LSU, but it's good. Um, he played a ton and did a very, very good job in college. So this is from Chad Graff's article at The Athletic. A scout to Bob, actually it's from Bob, Bob McGinn. Uh, a scout told Bob McGinn on Jeff Gladney, quote, he's really good, feisty, 
He'll come up and run support. Mm-hmm. Actually, the word feisty is a great... That's like a great... Zimmer is feisty. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a good connector to Zim there. Uh, what holds him back is you do see a lack of height show up against bigger targets. So... You know, but like you know, if it, if there's a six foot four, how many six foot four targets are? Yeah, you are you playing know? Julio Jones and Mike Evans this year, but that might be where you use Holton Hill a little bit more. This comes from Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus. Uh, he does a lot of their draft coverage. He's a big fan of Jeff Gladney's match and mirror ability in Whoa! single coverage. Whoa! Yeah! But but that is the thing that you see with Jeff Gladney is that when they put him in single coverage, they put him in press, he can really handle what anybody throws at him. Like he's got really quick feet and he's very strong. So yeah, a guy who's uh, really tall might be a problem for him because he's not as tall, but he also can jump too and make plays on the this football. This is a, so. a tough jumping job too. I mean, cor- cornerback takes some time. So yeah, I, I would say that... The expectation that a wide receiver could contribute early on is probably realistic. Uh, in Zimmer's defense, there's probably going to be a, a curve here where he's going to try and not play Gladney, I would guess, immediately a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, w- which goes back to what we talked about before, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if they try and go with sign a veteran or two and then ease a kid like this in. Because I do give Mike credit. Mike's very good at developing these kids, but he doesn't force feed them game action for the most part. Too quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then this case, they might have to, especially if someone gets hurt. But my guess is that they will add another veteran after the draft uh, and then probably pick another corner. Like they shouldn't be done picking corners. No. If they pick another one in the third, they would be very wise to sure. do so. So uh, the Chiefs pick is in here at 32, and, uh, and and we'll grab that as soon as Roger Goodell is shown in his quarantine basement again. But this is it. The Vikings made two picks in the first round. Justin Jefferson, they grabbed Gladney, the cornerback, with 31. So The excitement? You're just starting, boys. The excitement's just starting. Oh, yeah. There's, there's this is trades going down to be path. made. When, when you have 12 draft picks left over a two-day time period, this is just... This, yes. this is the tip of the draft weekend iceberg. Tomorrow could be bananas. Exactly. Tomorrow could be absolutely crazy. Yes. We could have... Trent Williams and two second rounders and uh, Anthony Harris trade. I mean, there's all sorts of things Amen. that could happen. But just from these two players, the, the, that perspective, you know, give it a letter grade. What? How did the Vikings do with these two? These two first round picks. Hold on, let's get the thirty second here. With the thirty second pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs select Clyde edwards elaire Running back, mm, LSU. Running back. Don't like that. So Jonathan Taylor still sits there. Is that correct? That's as Clyde. That's weird. Edward Hilaire gets tricked. And, and this that, guy, this guy's a beast. Pick? But yeah. you just won the Super Bowl with Damon Williams. Yeah. What? So why are that's, you doing that? That's an odd one. Uh, I don't know. You win the Super Bowl, you're just like we're going to do whatever we want. Uh, he is a beast, though. Like if you watched him play. Another guy from LSU, but he just he runs over people and he's like graceful for being as thick as he is. I, I like him, but not there. So uh anyway, what was the question? Oh, how'd the Vikings do tonight? Oh, I give him an A. I mean, I've laid out before the draft, these are the scenarios in which I will give you an A. And one of them was you take the receiver who drops. 
I don't make a big board because I don't consider myself a scout. I take my information from the people that do this 365 days a I'm year. I'm done with you. I didn't know you didn't I, do a big I know, board. I know. I'm I didn't just, do a I'm big so board. I'm so done with you right now. I do now. a million draft sims, and I read a million articles. You think Courtney, she does a, a big board? I expected Justin Jefferson to be gone in the middle of the first round, and the fact that he got to 22 and you didn't have to trade up, he's a very, very good player who I would uh, compare myself to somebody like Adam Thielen. Um, but maybe even a little quicker, but you know, Thielen is fast. So, but that six one, two hundred pounds, fast, plays in the slot, gets open, can run after the catch, all those things. Like I like a lot about Justin Jefferson. And then you needed to come away from night one with a corner. You just could not leave that this night without one of the most important positions in a Zimmer defense. And they got one of the top four guys. In because I don't think Damon Arnett was one of the top five guys, so they end up, you know, Henderson goes off the board, Okuda goes off the board, and after that, Terrell was the guy that I thought was the best fit, but Gladney was right after that. You couldn't have done much better for night one, and then you pick up a little extra, you know, draft capital to potentially trade for Trent Williams tomorrow. So they have set themselves up brilliantly here. In the in the past couple of years, there was reason to question some of the picks. They went with Mike Hughes when they needed a guard in a great guard draft. They went with, you know, a running back that they traded up for in 2017. Turns out to be Delvin Cook, but it's still questionable when it's a running back you're trading up for. A center with a left tackle on the board last year. This one, I don't have any questions. I think they did about as well as you can do. I agree. I think, you know, my only reservation with wide receiver is don't don't reach for someone that is a project and I'll trust smarter people than myself when it comes to Justin Jefferson. It sounds like he is not the same type of player that Cordero Patterson and Laquan Treadwell were in terms of their question marks. So if you if you check the boxes of two of your biggest needs and you can still go out and maybe fix your offensive line problem by drafting any number of them on days two and three and or trading for Trent Williams, I agree with Collar. They've set themselves up brilliantly. They've filled a couple needs with players that are highly touted. And they're just in a really good spot going into Friday and Saturday. Judd Zolgad. Tomorrow could be just... It's going to be bonkers, man. I want to see them tomorrow do what what, uh, Collar just said. I want to see them pull the the trigger on a Williams trade because I think then then my questions are answered. Then I can say, okay, I get what you're trying uh, to do, which has been my problem for a month now, which has been saying, what's your path here? Is your path this odd... You're going to the last year of your contract to Spielman and Zimmer, but you're taking the choice that you're going to build this thing for somebody else in 2021. If you come out full throttle tomorrow, make the Williams trade, perhaps Harris gets traded. I don't know. Perhaps he doesn't. But if you go in that direction, then what you are basically defining to me is the seriousness of how you're taking the coming season if and when it starts. And that becomes incredibly important because then it starts to, uh, to make sense. The other thing that I have a question about and I am curious to see is um, short term, what is your solution at cornerback? Because is this kid going to step in and play immediately, yep. which I don't think is pro- yep. probably a great ask. And the Vikings aren't dumb in that way, especially the head coach. So, But I have a lot more confidence in the direction I'm seeing them trending now with 12 draft picks left in two days of how they might use that capital. You can move up to get a tackle. Jones is still on the board. You could move up to get Antoine Winfield Jr. Xavier McKinney dropping out of the first. Could be a potential win. Early second round. 
I, I do think that you're going to have to pry some of these guys out of cold, dead hands of teams in the early second round because they must be feeling great. Like Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Detroit. They must be looking at this board going, wow, we are going to get some really good prospects here. But when you get in the middle of the second, moving up, going from you know maybe two-thirds up into or a third and a fifth or something like that up into the middle of the second, all that stuff should be a possibility for the Vikings. And if they came away from tomorrow with two second-round picks, uh, you could be talking about filling a lot of holes really fast. Yeah. So that's a wrap for our coverage here, and that's a wrap for 36 hours of purple here on Score North and the Score North app. We appreciate everyone listening going back to yesterday at 11 a.m., and we appreciate you checking us out and downloading the Score North app as well if you participated in the Draft Day 1K giveaway. Looks like we had uh, at least a couple dozen people pick Justin Jefferson, so you're all eligible to win $1,000. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, for Declan, AJ, and Seth, and Derek, and Jonathan behind the glass, all helping out either here or at home tonight. We appreciate everyone listening and watching That's a wrap for our coverage. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. for Vikings Ventline, hosted by Judd Zolgad, and live all the way through night two of the NFL Draft. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.